welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. Is there anything more exhilarating than the moment that Trey starts the intro and I realize I haven't looked up my cigar? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it's funny because I used to get that. So right before a triathlon, I always it doesn't matter how many I've done or how many times I've done that particular one, there's always that nervous energy of like once once the starter fires the pistol, like it's you're committed. Yeah. And when we first started doing the show, I was like that. I'd be like, okay, you get so nervous going to push the button. Now it's just, I, I guess it's gotten so easy for me knowing that the, tr- that, that the intro is just how we get the ball rolling. Well, I'm the master of over-preparedness. Oh, you and me both. I'm always a little more prepared than I need to be. You know, I was thinking today, one day we need to do it. One day when topics are slow. I'm going to go through our old shows, and we'll just do the articles that we didn't get to that night. Because we typically have three or four articles more than we need for a show. And there for a while, I was rolling them over until our list got so long that I've still got it somewhere. I'll have to I'll have to start contributing to it again. Yeah, sometimes sometime we'll just need to do a show of, of, <laughs> of near misses. From 2018. Yeah. They- <laughs> for some reason, we didn't feel it this night, <laughs> but... We feel it now, so yeah. you get it. Here you go. <laughs> Foundation announces a new cigar called the Charter Oak. <laughs> <laughs> How did we miss that one? All right. So, what are you smoking? Uh, I know you're you're now on vacation. I am officially on vacation. It took a, a, a wild day, a lot of running around after the fact. I'm officially taking that deep breath, and it's got to be a Padron, right? I'm, I'm glad you said you're on, now on vacation rather than you're now on honeymoon because I don't think I'm up to that. Nope, nope. <laughs> I've, I've still got a few more hours before it becomes full-blown honeymoon. Oh, but, before it becomes honeymoon time? Yeah. Um, but no, so here's the thing. When I... So because we decided to get married during COVID, we actually had two weddings last year. We had the one on paper, which is April 4th, and then we had the one back uh, a few months ago in August where we actually were able to have the ceremony. Now, which one are y'all celebrating? The April 4th? We're, we're celebrating the April 4th. Okay. So, um, so we're able to do our honeymoon on our first anniversary. So Sunday is our official first anniversary. And I've had a Padron 1926 sitting in my humidor for this whole year waiting for this moment. So I'm actually packing the thing and taking it to Florida with me. And I'm going to smoke it. So... I didn't really feel like I could smoke an anniversary series on the show because I'm looking forward to that one and I don't want to take away from the importance that I've built up in my mind around that cigar. But if you're going to get into vacation mode, yeah. you, you, you got to do it right. So this is my second favorite of all of the cigars they make. And it's the Padron 4000. And, you know, we talk a lot on the show, or at least we used to, about a poor man's Padron. This is it. Well, it's ten dollars budget stick, and it's excellent. Yeah, it's. I will put that cigar against any other ten dollars cigar on the market with complete confidence. Well, and you get all of that rich, bold, spicy Padron Nicaraguan flavor that you get in the anniversary series. It's got a little bit sharper edges. It's not quite as as smooth, but you get everything they do well at ten dollars. I mean, it's just it's unbeatable. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great deal. Well, I'm smoking, you know, on the Cigar Round Eight a couple of weeks ago, we did the Protaga Yellow. And I said, you know, I like the black. So tonight I decided I would smoke the black. And I'll, it's Connecticut Broadleaf Wrapper, Dominican Republic, Dominican and Nicaraguan Filler, Dominican Binder. Um, meat and potato cigar, workhorse yeah. cigar. You know, I've. it seems like we've had about six weeks of smoking special, special, special. And I thought today would be a nice day to kind of smoke a regular smoke. Oh, I smoked that bronze label that you had on the show last Amazing, week. Amazing, ain't it? Oh, my goodness. That's a good cigar. Yeah, absolutely. And Monday night, I got home and I said, you know, it's time. And I busted out one of those 660 Goldies and had it on my back porch playing poker, rubbing the dog. Just absolutely relaxed. Had a, a great time with it. So the, my only complaint about the Polina Goldie is, man, that wrapper is fragile oh, as yeah. an eighth-inch piece of glass. Oh, yeah. You've got to handle that with it. Oh, by the way, before we get into cigars, do you know where the phrase kid gloves comes from? Uh, it has to do with goats, right? Yes, baby goats are called kids. So the softest, most delicate gloves were made from kids. I always assumed it. This is a set of gloves you put on, you know, when you go handle the baby. <laughs> and I, it, it never occurred to me the baby goat kid relationship. I just we learned something every day. I learned that this week. I was so proud of that fact. <laughs> And also, and I don't know about our listeners, but I've shared your Wendy's story two or three times this past week. Is that right? Well, it's just the opportunity has come up where I was talking to somebody, and it was the perfect, perfect analogy to draw. If I had a nickel for every time I've told that story, uh, you know, it's it. it you fits. can buy a double. Buy I can Wendy's buy a couple double. of doubles. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, first story, and Alan, you're going to have to take the reins on this and one because I want to see how you pronounce this dude's name and two I need to light my cigar so right. lay into it so Claudio Segroy to step down as Mombacho Cigars Master Blender now we talk a lot about master blenders and blenders on the show because that's well that's where your cigar gets its flavor and you know we both have people whose palates that agree with ours and disagree with ours um, but he has been uh, the but but Segroy has been the, the master blender for Mombacho Cigars for about 10 years. I think I just lost an eyebrow, man. I got that lighter turned up too high. <laughs> it was a bonfire over here for a minute. Yeah, Claudio Segroy, S-G-R-O-I. Can, can I buy a vowel? <laughs> I mean, please. S-G-R-O-I. So, Claudio Segroy. So, let's talk about So, I've never smoked a Mombacho. I don't think in my cigar travels... I have come across the Mambacho. You know, they talk about some of the ones he blended. The Liga Maestro, the Mambacho Tenth, the Magnifico, the Casa Favilla. And I just um, don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever smoked a Mambacho. I have smoked uh, the Volcado. The Is that what it's called? Um, I've smoked one cigar from them. They were really trying to break into the Texas market when I was out there. And so, um, so I, I w- we would run into each other in the shops a couple of times, but yeah, it's not a it's not a cigar that that I have a whole lot of it's not a brand that I have a whole lot of experience with. Well, and really, <laughs> hey Shane, glad good good of you to pull up an article about a cigar neither one of us have ever smoked, but that's not really what I wanted to talk about. Came to talk about the draft. We we speak about master blenders all the time. 
And I'm glossing over that. Um, Sometimes I do them just for me. <laughs> we, we speak about master blenders all the time, but we never really talk about. So I think a master blender has to be one-third genius, one-third con man, one-third hypnotist magician. I'm going to substitute con man with salesman. Same, same, same I mean, thing. I mean, I, I realize I'm splitting hairs. <laughs> yeah, same thing, different connotation. But, but you know, you got to think: how hard is it to be a master blender? Because everybody's palate is so different. Even you and I could smoke the exact same cigar and get two different experiences from it. Right. I also wonder because I don't know enough about the process. So is is he? Going through and and bunching the cigars and rolling a test cigar, or, or or is he gathering up a recipe and then handing it to a roller to to make into? So I've heard it done both ways. I've heard it done um, one of the ways that they've done, and I've actually done this with someone before. A great friend of the show helped me to do this one time. He had a small cigar made of just binder, a small cigar made of just filler, a small cigar made of just wrapper. And I have seen that, too, yeah. And you smoke a little of each, and you decide how you're going to put those together, and basically you write the recipe down and hand it off, and somebody makes a cigar of that. And uh, and then, you know, I know when Pedro blends, him and his master blender just roll a bunch of cigars and smoke about an inch off of each one of them. And talk about it. And, you know, um, his 10th anniversary, this is one of my favorite cigars of his. He said, we smoked and smoked and smoked and could not get that blend right. He went to the hotel. He was getting ready to get on the plane the next day and ran into the factory and said, add this. And he figured it out. And knocked it out of the park. That, that's your savant kicking yeah. in. Yeah, that's the, that's the savant portion of this. But it's interesting because to be a master blender, you've got to have the confidence in your palate. Mm-hmm. And I've known a lot of people that had a good palate that just didn't have the confidence in their palate. It's true. There's a couple of guys in here that are like that. They smoke great cigars. They know their stuff. But to hear them talk about it, they, they still act as though they're, you know, have only been smoking for about six months. Yeah. they just Wow. Rob's coming in late for his cigar and beer. That's unusual. We're recording later than usual tonight, and one of the regulars that's usually here about 4.30 just rolled in about 7.30. That's unusual. That's un- I, I, I watch patterns, and that's a break in his pattern. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to interrogate Rob after the show and find out if it was a hot date or he's just got back from New Orleans or something like that. But anyway, um, <laughs> out of local news. So a Master Blender's really got, I wonder how much selling he has to do. I wonder, after he blends the cigar and he says, hey, fellas, light this up. I wonder, do you hand everybody a cigar and stop selling? Or do you, okay, now you're getting that little bit of Sumatra. Do you feel that mouthful? Do you lead the jury a little? Or do you just let the jury make their decision? How do you do it? I think it depends on how long you've been there, what your reputation is, and and, and also what the, what the vibe of the company is. You know, we talk about how... You know, all my father's cigars don't taste the same, but you know when you're smoking one of theirs. The same is true um, of A.J. Fernandez. Right. You know when you're smoking an A.J. Fernandez cigar. So I think if you're the blender who has maybe cultivated that, that brand recognizable sort of flavor palette, 
Right. Uh, thinking more like a color palette. Yeah, if, if Orlando Padron handed you a cigar... I'm, I'm not questioning that. Yeah, you, you know it's a good cigar. You don't have to ask. Yeah, so I think for a lot of these guys in these blending rooms, in these blending sessions, you know, they know what they're after. And so you have a confidence in this guy as a master blender that he's going to deliver something good. One day we're going to get Willie Herrera on this show, and I'm going to grill him about this. I'm going to really – that probably precludes us from ever getting Willie on the show. But when we get Willie on the show, I've, had to, I've spent some time with Willie numerous times about his story and everything like that. And um, I really want to get down to it with Willie about, hey – how do you do you sell it do you have and which cigar did you blend that you loved that hit the shelves and nobody wanted one you ended up bringing them back and turning them into you know acid blondies <laughs> <laughs> but i you know and i bet i bet willie has to do that less than a lot of people you know i i, I think that's where it comes to you know you don't you don't get to the level of master blender you know your first day in the factory but you do you know, but there's definitely a hierarchy between has been at this long enough that their reputation precedes them and new kid on the block. That's what I love about a cigar shop. They come in, the TV was obviously loud enough you could hear it at my house 30 miles away. They, you didn't have to ask. They just went over there and turned it down That's like right. gentlemen. I mm-hmm. love the gentlemanliness. But, yeah, the you know, Willie probably stands on his own. Hinky at Avo probably stands on his own. And uh, But young blenders, I wonder if to get to that level if how much salesmanship has to be in that i i think there's a little bit because you know at the at the end of the day at pedro's shop pedro approves whatever blend comes in and all he's got a master blender who's from cuba who does a great job but at the end of the day pedro has to say yes well and that's and that's why like okay let's let's take a hypothetical here let's say gurkha calls you tomorrow and they say all right we've heard you talking it's time to put your money where your mouth is. We're going to make you our master blender. Now, what you're going to do when you go in there, because you don't like the palate that they are working from now, is that you're going to try and change that. This is the way a Gurkha should taste. So there's going to have to be a little bit of salesmanship involved because you're trying to change the way they think a cigar tastes. Well, and I, and I, but I think the salesmanship comes from, okay, fellas, before I blend my first cigar... Here's what Gurkha's known for. They're known for marketing cigars that are not up to snuff. The complexity ain't there. The flavor ain't there. We need less Lajero. We need more leaves in there that have a little complexity. I want the blends to speak for themselves a little more. So I pre-sell. Well, yeah. But I, that's I, still... I front-load my sales pitch with them. That's right, but that's still salesmanship. Oh, yeah. And, all, but I, and I think that's part of what you have to do. You have to front-load that pitch just a little bit to, hey, fellas... Here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what I'm after here. And then I also think you have to have a little audience participation. Oh, absolutely. You know, hey, hey, Tom, what, do you, what would you like to see in Gurkha Cigars? As, right. I'm, as I'm going through this, I want this to be a collaborative effort because you've got to bring people on board with you. You've got to build, you know, I despise politics, but politics are a part of life. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of politics that we all must participate on. You know, I, I drew a remodel last week because I turned down a lot of people that call me with just their junk work. Remodels are junk work. I, I hate remodels. Right. But I drew one last week because one of my builders that sends me good work asked me to. I would have been a hypocrite to say, 
I appreciate all the good work you sent me, but I don't want to do you junk work. No, you do it all or you do none of it. Right. And also, so there is some, and that's, that is a little element of politics. It is, absolutely. You end up compromising and doing something you normally wouldn't do. So there's an element of that I think goes into it. But to me, of all the people involved in the cigar, the master blender to me kind of embodies the cigar artesian. I think even more so than the roller, the buncher, the guy planting and raising the tobacco, I think the blender is the spine of the cigar industry. I think so, too, but it raises a question for me because we've talked on the show before about how much size can dictate flavor and how, you know, oftentimes cigars are blended to the, you know, the 5 by 50 Robusto kind of thing. You know, if you're a guy like you who prefers the 6 by 60 are you blending that cigar to your size? Are you, I mean, or is, is that factoring into it? Because, you know, size can dictate a lot of things on the shelf. Well, or, you know, when we've talked about size a lot lately, does... I know that the, was supposed to be a segue. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm accentuating. <laughs> don't, get, don't break the fourth wall just yet. Just hang on. <laughs> Let the fourth wall remain erect for a few more moments. And I know you're in a hurry to get to Florida. Just chill. <laughs> Let me get past this. At some point, I think as a master blender, somebody comes to you and says, hey, um, Shane, the venomous duck line needs a five and a quarter by 80. I want you to blend me a five and a quarter by 80. And it's kind of a tend to when somebody walks into my office with a house that isn't really what I do, but I take it on because I'm ready for that challenge in my career. Yeah. And all, and I, th- I think that's part of it. And I think that's what happened here. Aganor Salif to debut. See, now that's how you segue. <laughs> debut new unique Vitola of the Lunatic, a five and a half by 80. So this is one of the short, fat cigars. And been seeing a lot of those lately. Yeah, you know, this will be, this marks the third week in a row that we've talked about cigars in this kind of range. And when we first brought it up, we were kind of talking about it in the realm of gimmick and fads. And at this point, I'm not so sure that that that's accurate. I think there's a growing segment of the market. I think there's a growing segment of the market that recognizes the complexity that you can get out of a big ring gauge. It takes somebody really dedicated to that ring gauge, though. And I think that's what so often we see companies maybe don't get right as often as they should. I'm not going to say they get it wrong, but uh, is that is that it's not just about packing more filler into the cigar. You really do have to package it differently. You do. You have to package it differently. You have to have people that want to sell it differently. You have to have... This is this more than anything is one of those times you've got to walk into the cigar shop and give the guy behind the counter one. Right. And over that's the first battle you have to win to sell this cigar is the guy behind the counter. I'm not saying the owner of the store. The owner of the store is great. He'll decide the ordering, but you want the guy behind the counter on your side. Mm-hmm. And I'll, and so this is a five and a half by eighty torpedo. It's in a San Andreas Maduro wrapper. And also now that's. San Andreas is strong on its own. It is. But I think this is how you, you know, this goes back to what I was saying. You know, the wrapper makes up the majority of the flavor of a cigar anyway. And so when you get to these larger ring gauges, you really have to choose a wrapper that is going to deliver 
because it's making up such a small percentage of the overall tobacco in the cigar now at this point. It is. You, yeah. And also, if you do, you still have to be cognizant that, okay, I need something in here that's going to take the edge off this wrapper. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have the, the Buckeye was a perfect example of a whole lot of San Andreas. Right. Now, I need to smoke another one of those. They've too. been out been about two or three years, and I need to see if the San Andreas has calmed down a little in them. I, and I think that's the original box in the humidor. Yeah, there? I think they're still sitting there. They didn't, which, you know, in Tennessee, the Buckeye is right. probably not going to be a big seller. <laughs> for, for nothing else than political reasons. But speaking of political reasons, there's something is interesting in this article. This will be, the El Grande will be sold exclusively to PCA retailers. So last year we had a kind of a big... Um, Kerfuffle. Yeah, a, bi- a big exodus, a massive exodus of people away from the PCA with the big four saying, no, we're not going to be at the show and all of that. So is this Agonorsa Leaf saying, hey, we're here to support this company? Is this Agonorsa Leaf firing one back across the bow of the big boys? Or is this PCA reaching out to Agonorsa and saying, hey, we will partially fund the development of a cigar to turn us into a TAA kind of situation where we're getting our name recognition back in the people that are in the shop, not just the retailers and the manufacturers. Or is this Shane and Trey needing to break out the tinfoil helmet time? Yeah, I think we're reading tea leaves a little bit. <laughs> I'm just wondering if, it, if, it, if, if it's time. I've got mine in the truck. I'll have to run out yonder and get it. But I'm, I do wonder if sometimes we read a little deep into there, but I do think that's a, that's a pretty interesting little side note. They kind of slid that in there in this article. The article's on Cigar Authority that we're looking at, and they kind of slid that in there. And even PCA provides a vital support for lobbying efforts in both the state and federal level. So they're even going, they're even throwing a few more of their, their chips they're in the basket. They're dedicating some of the press release to, to that relationship. Yeah, that's a pretty, um, that's that's a bold a, move. That is, that's a pretty bold move. And I'll, so being as we are still talking about politics and the PCA and what the PCA does for us, Massive tobacco tax proposal would raise cigar tax up to 1,000%. Senator Durbin from Illinois has reintroduced a massive tobacco tax increase as a part of a bill that is otherwise intended to address maternal mortality. Okay. So the, the idea is that you've got women dying in childbirth, and that's a problem. So you're going to introduce a House bill that's aimed at at whatever resources are needed to curtail that. On board. The name of the act is the Mothers and Offspring Mortality and Morbidity Awareness Act, or MAMAs. Okay. Clearly, this guy was out at the cigar shop. Well, no, because he hates tobacco. He was... He was oh, at no, a that. bar getting drunk because that's apparently socially <laughs> acceptable. Or, or was smoking cannabis. Yeah. And, yeah, because Illinois is legal now, I think, sure. is one of the... Um, so he... And he decides, we're going to come up with, an, with, with a bill that nobody can say no to because it's got the cutest name ever. And he came up with the Mama's Act, and he had to backfill. Okay, now what is that going to stand for? I guarantee you he came up with the name of the acronym first. Well, and then the next part of it, wait, I need a way to fund this bill. 
let's let's rape the tobacco industry. Let's, let's just get the tobacco industry on their heels and make them pay for this. Let's just hide a whole bunch of stuff that's completely unrelated uh, in this so I can get it passed and call it a win. Yeah, and, and, then, and so I can call out anybody who opposes it for being, you know, in favor of killing mothers and newborns. Yeah, so, the, so okay, I don't understand the language for it starts in general. The Internal Revenue Code of 1968 or 86 is amended by striking 52.75% and all that follows through the period and inserting the following... Forty-nine fifty-six per pound proportion tax. Say, I don't understand any of that. How do we get a thousand percent out of any of those numbers? So it goes from fifty-two and three quarters percent all the way, and it changes that to basically fifty dollars per pound. So you know, we t- cigars. You know, so we talk about organizing cigars by or classifying them by weight or by whatever you know, and so. I wonder if it, it comes down to the fact that by, by making it a 50 cent, because how many cigars in a pound? Right. So I, I, I guess what they're saying is by doing it this way, rather than making it a percentage for some of your bigger ring gauge cigars, whose, whose same quantity of cigars would have been a lesser dollar amount on percentage, now because it's by weight, is going to, could potentially reach a thousand percent. And I'm not ruling out, I may have to go get my tinfoil helmet again, I'm not ruling out that perhaps the tobacco industry is inflating the thousand percent number, taking a little poetic license to try to get cigar smokers rallied. Well, and it's, but it's also one of those things where it could, it, it, they even say here, the result is an estimated 500 to a thousand percent increase. So... They're looking at who stands the most to lose from this and what's their number. And it's probably 920, but they rounded it up to 1,000%. It it could be. It could be something like that. But there's a big big act right now to try to oppose this, and everybody says let their senators know that the Mama's Act should not be paid for by the tobacco company. Right. Which is the way you do it. That's the way America works. Mm -hmm. And you call your senator, you say, hey, we, we don't want Mama costing all of our cigars. And also, we'll talk about the Protagus Black for a little bit. I wish I'd went ahead and grabbed the Toro in this. Oh, really? Which is something I've never said on this show before. Yeah. I'm smoking the 660. It's a lot of tobacco. It's a lot of strength. It's a lot of, of everything in that. So um, I'm kind of liking, I think I would like this cigar better in the Toro. Still a good cigar. Mm-hmm. Still does what you need, what you want it to do. I found that that drew just a hair tight. Are you getting that? Mm, my draw is perfect. Okay. My draw is smooth. I need to have another one. I, I put an extraordinary cut on it. And all. it's funny, I've been having to revisit cutting cigars with my wife. And it's actually improved my cigar cutting technique. And I'll, so, and we can go deeper into this in the second half of the show. The actual cut of the cigar you don't just grab the cutter and whack it off like you're, you know, circumcising a, a large farm animal. You need to really gently. You started that sentence having no idea where you were going to end up, did you? Well, I kept ha- I kept having to edit it down for the show. I kept, I kept having to, to reel it back, reel it back, reel it back, and so and it was coming out of my mouth at the time I was reeling. So, okay, everybody, forgive me. But anyway, 
So we'll revisit that a little bit in the second half of the show, that the perfect cut, how, yeah. how you put the perfect cut on a cigar. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Shane here with this week's Cigar Around Date. This week, I want to talk about one of my favorite cigars. And probably the first time in this feature we've ever been able to to have an Avo in the feature. You know, when this cigar first came out, you and I both lost our minds by how much we liked it. Um, this is the Avo Synchro Nicaragua. Uh, I prefer the Toro. I think I think you might actually, too, over the bigger ring gauge. I do. I like the Toro in this stick because it's a, it's a semi-box press. Yeah. And a, a semi-box press in the Gordito is just a little bit awkward. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of prefer the Toro in this one. It's an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, and it has the binders Dominican, the fillers Dominican, Nicaraguan, and Peruvian. You would think the Nicaraguan would be a Puro, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would. You would think. But, um, but they also didn't put an orange wrapper on it. So. And I'm I'm giving Avo Avo a pass on this. You know, we talked about blenders and how some people get a pass. Right. Avo gets a pass in my book. Absolutely. And yeah. all they range in price. You know, you can get them from nine dollars and ninety cents, eight dollars and fifty cents, all the way up to ten dollars and ninety cents. So they're kind of in that range. Right. Um, just an excellent smoke, burns slow. When they first come out, I remember I had to buy a four-pack, and there was one of these in there, and I, I had to smoke that. the other three, which they were Avos, so I didn't care. Right. But um, excellent cigar. Until next week, try an Avo Synchro Nicaragua. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts sitting across from the man who's never showed his daughter Ghostbusters. That's Trey not Dittman. true. And she's still afraid of ghosts? <laughs> and I, I had the... So, so that is so funny because I, I had this conversation just a couple days ago about this. So my dad actually showed her Ghostbusters when she was probably seven or eight. So about five years ago or so. And it scared the bejesus out of her. So, and to this day, if you say, you want to watch Ghostbusters? No. So. Well, you know, it, it was funny because we were showing, I was showing y'all a house this weekend. And Emma kept saying, this has ghosts, this has ghosts. And, and I loved that I got to ruin a moment. This shows the kind of human I am. Because your wife very seriously stops and puts on, puts on her mother hat and says, Emma. Not all old houses are haunted. And I said, yeah, in my experience, barely over 80% are haunted. <laughs> and I forgot how much fun it is to have somebody that's naive but good at math. Right. <laughs> well, 20% of them are. <laughs> I mean, she fired right back at you. She was like, but that's 20%. Yeah, that's 20%. Yeah, Trey, you, Trey walks in. Thanks, Shay. Yeah, you, you, you about became our ex-realtor at that moment. <laughs> well, Luckily, we weren't in love with the house. Sometimes you do it for the joke. Sometimes you just you, you do the joke and you take the consequences, but you can't let those moments pass you by in your life. It's, it's true. <laughs> and uh, speaking of moments in life, Michael Jordan and recently retired announcer Dick Stockton formed a friendship over an unexpected product. Now, being as this is the cigar cast. <laughs> yeah, I think you know where this is going. And, and knowing the great love of sports that you and I both have, 
I bet people have already guessed where this article's going. Right. So, pretty cool. Dick Stockton and Michael Jordan would exchange cigars prior to a game. So, have you watched The Last Dance yet? No, not yet. Okay. One of the things that I think is so fascinating, and and I was talking about this uh, with somebody the other day about, you know, people that come in and change the game. You know, Tiger Woods was the was the first person to realize that you could be better at golf by going into the gym. Right. Um, Lewis Hamilton in Formula One was the same. He was the first Formula One driver to really like, no, you've got to be in peak physical shape to be able to do this. And, and he's now setting records. So Jordan, I think, is so funny because he's, in my opinion, still the greatest person to ever play the sport. And in that video, they're in the locker room before a game. He's smoking a cigar. He'd be outside of practice smoking a cigar. Like, there was no... Some people are just built for it. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are just absolutely... You see people sometimes walking around the neighborhood with a cigar in their mouth, and I'm like... That's usually me. I, I, well, I see, I couldn't do it. I couldn't walk and smoke a cigar. Now, granted, I'm wrangling an 80-pound Labrador every time I'm walking around the True. neighborhood, so smoking a cigar and wrangling a Labrador probably not going to go together. No, when the weather's nice, especially in these transitional periods of the year where we're getting that first taste of spring or getting that last taste of fall, uh, oftentimes we'll go for a walk around our neighborhood You know, when, when we, we get one of those sort of diamond-in-the-rough nice weather nights, and yeah, I always grab a cigar before we go for our walk. Yeah, see, me and Ace walking around the neighborhood, stopping at every third mailbox to pee, and then ever how often he has to stop. And going and smoking a cigar just could not go together. It is very <laughs> difficult to, to tie a poop bag with a cigar. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. You keep burning yourself for some <laughs> reason. So yeah, Better it, that than melting a hole in the side of the bag. <laughs> but um, very good. I mean, this is just a cigar guy story. This is such a cigar guy thing to do. Now, here's my question. If you so, who's your favorite athlete of all time? Oh man, that's a just, tough. Just give me your favorite baseball player. <laughs> I'll narrow it uh, down for you. Um, Randy Johnson. So, if you knew that you were going to exchange cigars with Randy Johnson right before a game, and all, what would you get him? Ooh, that's a good question. Now, I realize this is not fair because we don't know Ron, Randy Johnson's palate. True. But operate with me within the confines of the hypothetical agreement. Well, so do you know what Randy Johnson's nickname in the in the league was? Spanky? The big unit. <laughs> so it's got to be a 7 by 70 right? Well, one would assume. <laughs> well, Randy Johnson. So did. I guess a lunatic? Well, I, see, in this a bit, that would be awesome. That's That would be the most baller move ever to walk out and hand the bat boy your cigar and get the bat and go up there. Your son, hold this for me. Well, that's, you know, we talked about a couple weeks on the show, you know, baseball used to be, you know, chewing tobacco. I mean, it was basically partially funded by the tobacco industry to the point that even as recently as like the 50s and 60s, when we didn't really know much about athleticism yet at that point, um, yeah, people would. I'm sure no one was smoking in the outfield, but they were definitely smoking in the dugout. Well, you know, let's say that um, currently my favorite wrestler wrestling is Lance Archer, the Murder Hawk monster. And if me and Murder Hawk were going to exchange a cigar right before, you know, he went he went out for the big match, that's a big decision. Yeah, that because on one hand, anybody 
can go buy him a Padron 1964 mm-hmm. or 26 or any of the a Padron 50. If anybody can go and throw down the big money and hand him a cigar. But I think you want to hand him that unique, that the, unique jewel, the TAA exclusive, or the 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 cigar that you've been sitting on for five years. Yeah, I think I think I have to I think I have to break out the box of fourteen year old Sopranos, yeah. now sixteen year old Sopranos. I think I have to break one of them out for him. Absolutely, and because uh, I couldn't give him a Goldie, because as we mentioned earlier, the wrapper's so fragile. <laughs> He'd be, crush it. Yeah, yeah, he's a wrestler. <laughs> he'd, dro- he'd drop an elbow on it. <laughs> I need to give this man a cigar he can drop an elbow on. <laughs> but <laughs> LFD cheroot. <laughs> yeah, let's g- give him something that re- that he really feels. And uh, the um, the pain threshold of professional wrestlers is off the charts. Oh yeah. Um, Cowboy was uh, James Storm. No, I drew his house and great guy, outstanding. He was cleaning out the ditch behind his house and a snake bit him. And he literally is just holding his hand up with this snake hanging off of his hand. Well, that's interesting. Because years of abuse, he just wrestled his 1,000th match on Impact this week. Um, Years of abuse to the body has just made his pain threshold so high. And all, and, and what's the old joke? After three days of agonizing pain, the snake died. Right. <laughs> you know, so he um, is. So you can, you would want to get him something, something really substantial. Yeah, something that would really hold up. You couldn't get a light cigar and hand it to Murder Hawk. So, anyway, all right. Now that we're now, let's step back out of fantasy into reality. <laughs> a list of companies not attending TPE 2021. Now, for those of you like me, hearing that headline. So it's the Tobacco Plus Expo. And based on this list, I'm going to say there's the emphasis on the word plus because there's yeah. not a whole lot of tobacco here. Yeah, there's so there's there's 300 booths and only 90 of them are cigar or cigar related. So figure 90 of them, maybe 30 are actual cigar retailers um, or manufacturers. Right, and the rest are people trying to sell the next shuriken. So, you know, you, you kind of figure this is not a high-priority thing. It kind of makes you wonder why Halfwill did this article. And it, I, it, I, I it have does. a little doubt. Well, it, it just makes me wonder because, I mean, th- if you look at the names of the people not showing up, it's Cordoba Morales, Drew Estate, Foundation, Illusione, J.C. Newman, Villager. Actually, Villager, that surprises me. Um, and Warped, just to name a few. I mean... You would think Villager having the, the dry cured that doesn't need to be humidified, the machine made, you'd think this would kind of be their their middle ground. Kind of in now, their wheelhouse. They make some regular Vitolas and some great cigars as well. I am not knocking Villager at all. Well, could the same argument not be made by Drew's, about Drew Estate and their acid blends? Because their acid blends... And they're really, owned by Swisher. Yeah, not really cigar guy cigars. No. I mean, I, I, I'm not... Well, I am downing everybody that smokes acids a little, but I'm not that big a cigar snob yet. But I'm saying for purposes of this conversation, you would think that they would kind of flow. Now, I can see Cordoba and Morales. Yeah. Cordoba and Ma- Morales. And warped yeah. for the same reason. Universally respected in the industry. Mm-hmm. So Ch- I can see them saying, hey, I'm, I'm not going to the Tobacco Plus Expo. And I will say there was there's a note here that the list... Uh, only includes cigar companies who were registered to exhibit but have since opted out. 
So th- this isn't. Uh, so I'm sure there are a number of other companies that are still on the outside looking in that never even wanted to touch this to begin with. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's several that just said, okay, we'll pass. You know, hard pass. Interestingly, it takes place May 12th through 14th in Las Vegas. So it's almost like they're they're stepping on top of PCA a little bit. They're coming yeah. into their neighborhood a couple months earlier. But I think we in the COVID world, we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, a lot more of that, okay, where are the restrictions going to allow us to draw a crowd? Well, and what's tough about that is that that's the issue the cigar industry has had forever. You know, no one allows smoking anymore, anywhere for the most part, especially in big exhibit halls. And so they've been really limited about where they can go based on who's going to allow cigars to come in. And so now you put on top of that these massive you know, restrictions because of COVID and social distancing and, and, and crowd numbers and things like that. Yeah, that's pretty much Vegas is your only only shot. Okay, so we, we spoke about low-hanging fruit in the break. This is low-hanging fruit for us, and I'm, I'm a little ashamed that we're going to take this swing, but I can't, I don't think I could sleep tonight if I didn't take this swing. Ten spring smokes to light up the season. Do you want us to make fun of you, aficionado? <laughs> Did they, you do they must. The, did you do this just so that I would be able to make fun of, or is it so? First, how do you put this list together? The official company line is: these are the most highly rated cigars from our November December twenty twenty issue. I know I'm thinking about spring cigars in November and December, aren't you? Well, but it, that's just kind of the way the industry works. Like you start, you know, if you go to like a clothing store. In January, they've already got spring clothes out, and it, and you know, and you've you've got to go in May to get the back to school fall stuff. Like it's 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 weird. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of that going on, but I don't know that we need. If I had to epitomize my spring palette, I don't think I could. I don't, you know, I have a hard summer palette. I have a hard winter palette. I don't really have a fall and a spring palette. No, I don't really either. It's very transitional, just like the season is. Yeah, one day, and, and that may come from living in Tennessee, where if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes. Right. But, you know, the... I mean, the, case in point, yesterday was 74 degrees and, and sunny for most of the day. And then today it was like 56 and as you get into the list, it, they just, they just, the hits keep coming. Juan Lopez Punto 55 Excluso Francia Cuba cigar. So nobody, 98% of the people reading your magazine couldn't get their hands on this cigar. Cohiba Medio Siglo, 93 points, Cuba. So we, we start the list with two Cubans. <laughs> then we, then we skip one and go to the H. Upman Magnum 50, Cuba. Skip two more, and you end up with the Boulevard Royal Corona, Cuba. So of this, over over half of the cigars on this list are are unattainable by the majority of the audience. Yeah, there's so now the upside of this show, Picardo Classico Toro. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy. You know, we had Luciano on the show. We've talked about Picardo's cigars. Pichardo. Pichardo. We've talked about their cigars, how much we like them. They're really subtly making a move in the market. They're not coming in like a powerhouse. Right. But they're they're subtly kind of, um, they're almost becoming that underground cult smoke. 
Mm-hmm. And I hope I see more out of them because I would love to to be a part of that. You know, we can we can do a show on the edge of greatness, the companies that are just waiting to make their Africa. Mm-hmm. You know, to to me, the Africa is the pinnacle of everything that La Florida Minicana has ever made. I'll just I'll come right out and say it: Miami Cigar La Florida Minicana had to exist as long as they did to create the Africa. Now I'm I'm obviously high on the Africa, right? But or not La Florida Minicana La Aurora. Yeah, thank you. I, I was trying to debate whether or not to say anything. But, um, yeah, I've seen the look on your face. I thought, okay, what did I goof up? Okay. Anyway, um, there are some companies on the edge of greatness. I think Dapper is on the edge of their great cigar. I think they are, too. And I think they've already, they're have already they already so close. I think their great cigar is going to come in without very much fanfare. Yeah, when you smoke a Dapper, you, you see the potential. You mm-hmm. really, I mean, not that they're not great cigars. They are, but there's just it's it's like you're waiting on that that fine you know you're you're watching the stones and you're waiting for them to play honky tonk woman right you know you're you're really they're they're kind of on the edge of greatness and I think Pachardo's a lot like that I think they're they're just so close they can almost taste it in their in their cigars and uh, but we we'll have to do that at a, at a later show we'll have to do a a complete show about on the edge of greatness and write down our picks of who's who's going to finally produce their africa yeah and, and uh, before, their opus if you will yeah before we move off of this i just want to point out the lost story from ep Carrillo and the highclere castle victorian the the natural rapper one are both on this list great cigars yeah i don't i, I honestly believe sometimes the way this must be this is the conspiracy theory episode of the cigar cast i honestly believe sometimes aficionado calls their advertisers and says hey fellas i know you're on the fence about buying that big spread of advertising next month what about if we featured you as the best one of the 10 best cigars for spring would that would that close the deal it's very likely. Is this, is this a deal? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, aficionado is still a business. They're not a public service. Right. They're still a business. They're still here to make money, and rightfully so. I'm all for capitalism. Um, but I, I just wonder if sometimes that's not how these these lists come into, come into play. So, from TR Business, the leading provider of duty-free and travel retail news... And I know I never miss a week of TR business, do you? No. I've got a Google alert set. Yeah. Jay Cortez switches to more sustainable packaging, renames Neos Exotic Brand. This is another one of them that neither one of us has smoked their cigars, but we're going to talk about their article. Right. And I'll be happy for what you get, guys. If you want us to smoke your cigars, mail us some. (laughs) Right. We'll light those dudes up on the podcast so quick it'll make your head spin. But my question is, is the cigar box not the most sustainable piece of packaging in the history of mankind? You know, this idea of sustainability is so interesting because there are some people that get it very, very right. And there are some people that bang this drum without having any idea what they're talking about. And I feel like this falls closer into the latter category. So... When you're talking about sustainable packaging, it doesn't just necessarily mean that it doesn't use up a lot of resources. It just means that it it doesn't use a lot of resources once, which then end up in a landfill, never to be used again or, or whatever. A cigar box being made of wood 
is, I mean, as long as you're planting more than you're cutting down, can be sustainable. And as you pointed out, is there a more versatile device for storage on the planet than a cigar box? Oh, I store everything in them. You got screws, you need a place to put them, use a cigar box. You, you know, when we play, when we um, bet on wrestling at the house, all of our chips go into a cigar box. Right. Uh, the cigar box is the perfect utilitarian. I'm not even going to get into purses, guitars, mandolins, drum kits, whatever people are making out of them. Um, I'm not even going to get into the more creative uses. Just the basic using use it of having the box. Or, or reuse of the box. And I mean, how many times a year do we talk about an article where somebody was remodeling a house from the 20s and they found a cigar box full of something, you know, right. uh, Babe Ruth medals, get baseball cards. Yeah, <laughs> medals of honor, cash, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it is it is the most sustainable packaging in the world. I, I defy anybody to put on Facebook a more sustainable mode of packaging than the cigar box, because I really believe that they enjoy a longer life now. What's the most... Actually, it's ironic this come up, because last night I had the most unique use for a cigar box I've ever had. Okay. Um, one of the gentlemen here, they were having a problem with coyotes down at a farm that he goes to. And they had put a piece of bait out, and he filled a cigar box with thermite and ball bearings. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and, and wiped out a herd of coyotes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> in one shot. That, that's probably, That'll do it. That's probably the most creative use. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. Oh, there's I only, do. There's only one person around here that would kill coyotes with an IUD. <laughs> or IUD. I guess you could well, kill you them could, with an IUD. It would just take a little longer. You could certainly thin the herd that way. <laughs> just take a little longer. Let's play the long game. He's more an instant results type guy. But you few, mean he's not a coyote obstetrician? <laughs> one, of the, one of the few guys that would, that would try to take out coyotes with an IED. <laughs> and I'll, you know exactly who I speak of. I do. And I'll, and um, he, he gets the award. That's the prize for me. I've Now, I've used them a lot. Um, fishing weights. I pour my own fishing weights, and occasionally my dad will say, hey, we need some more weights here, and I'll bring a cigar, full of le- a cigar box full of lead weights and drop it on the counter and then fix the counter where I right. broke it. <laughs> right. But it's um and it's amazing the amount of weight that a cigar box will hold. It's true. I've if you've ever tried to break, especially a, a well made box, like an acid box, for example, trying to break one of those, it's it's well, well made. Yeah, and you can use them you can use them over and over again. Usually when I when I leave the box of weights down there, next time I come the cigar box has been employed to some new use. Mm-hmm. To something something new, screw holder, nail holder, whatever holder. I need to just bring a, a truckload of cigar boxes down there and drop them off. So the the most unique use for a cigar box that I've ever had, a few years ago, I had a couch that one of the legs fell off of. And so I propped up that corner of the couch with a stack of cigar boxes. Okay, I'm, I'm calling foul on behalf of cigar, play, cigar guys and... Um, Shade tree car- carpenters everywhere. Tell me you took the other three legs off and replaced them with cigar boxes too. That way it looked like you did it on purpose. <laughs> no, well, it was a back leg and it was against the wall, so it was there was no aesthetic interest. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna need a ruling from the judges on this. I still believe you're firmly in violation. No, see, see one finding 
a combination of cigar boxes that's the right height to prop up one of a leg of, of an established height is far easier than trying to create four equal stacks of cigar boxes because no two cigar boxes are the same. You've got to have five or six charter oak boxes laying around your house. I didn't at the time. Okay. And even those are only, you know, an inch and a half tall. You well, need how, a whole bunch of those to... How tall is your couch? Are you using a ladder to get on your couch at night? No, it was... It was up... The legs were about, you know, 10 inches, 9 inches. Oh, okay. You, you were doing some Victorian furniture stuff no, it there. Was, it was a mid-century modern but couch. But anyway... <laughs> We're way off the rails here, <laughs> and I'll. Every, we need to start keeping a list of things we didn't think we would say on the cigar cast that get said every night. Defending my couch choices. <laughs> Def- yeah, defending your couch choices. But I, I firmly believe if you replace the leg of one of the couch legs with a cigar box, by law you must have to replace all four. Well, next time it happens. But Although the couches I have now are are the legs are only that tall, so about the, about the height of a charter oak box. Yeah, the two. Yeah, you can you can do that. I'm pretty sure I've got enough Africa boxes laying around to do that yeah. for sure. You could build an entertainment center out of. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm considering you know kind of an Eiffel Tower like. <laughs> you know, you, I'm, I'm taking back that episode of Mash where Hawkeye built the pyramid out of the tongue depressors. Uh-huh. I, I'm kind of thinking that only with Africa boxes. <laughs> I want to I want to be there when you wrap it in primer cord though. <laughs> And I'll just replace your divot. That's all we have. That's right. (laughs) A lot of explosives in the show tonight. (laughs) Didn't count on that when I got here. But, all right. Well, as we're wrapping it up tonight, and kind of, I know you're ready to get on vacation. And I'll talk to me about your Padron experience. We know the Padron's excellent. Talk to me about the experience. You know, it's interesting. uh, Not to get too existential here, but. When we first started doing the show, we talked about we were just doing it because it was fun. We don't care if anybody listens, and it's a good thing. Um, but over time, it has become a little bit like work. You know, we you know we do our thing and we chat and we we don't really hold much to a script. But but there's still stuff going on that I feel like it's kind of work. So it's really hard. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm I'm now in officially in vacation mode, and the cigar is helping me get there. I'm still not quite there yet though yeah you're, you're still working your way out yeah but, uh, uh, but you still be- got about a third of a cigar left uh, no you're, you're down to about a sixth yeah <laughs> uh, that being said um, you know the Padron 4000 is a six and a half yeah every day every day and everyone you grab will be a six and a half you're not going to grab a seven you're not going to grab a five you're going to grab a six and a half every, every single time, time. Uh, the Protagus is a solid five and a half it's a workhorse. It's a great cigar just to grab. They have here the 660s in the cellophane as opposed to having to buy the one in the black tube. I need to get with Nate and find out if there's any difference in the one in the tube and the one in the cellophane other than the price. There's usually not. Not not usually. But um, just an excellent cigar. It's got a lot of strength. It's got a lot of flavor. It's really, it's really what that forge now, formerly General, does well. Mm. Just a good workhorse cigar. A good cigar that you can grab anytime and know that you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. How do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and info at the cigarcast.com. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great show. Have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm.